and welcome to episode number 140 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brett Colson, Brad Allen. We run down all the NFL games, hopefully in a fashion that helps you make some money. Of course, all the game breakdowns over at thelines.com. If you want to follow Brett at Brett Colson, if you want to follow Brad at Brad Allen NFL, if you want to follow me at Matt Brown M2, we do appreciate it. Go in, subscribe, rate, and review all the places that you get podcasting. For watching this on the YouTube page, go ahead and hit that subscribe button down below. We really do appreciate the support on that channel as well. Guys, um, real quick, awesome Thursday for all of us. Um, if you listen to the podcast from Wednesday, you probably made money as well. Uh, probably the best breakdown of two games we've ever done. So whenever we have bad weeks, I had a horrible week last week. If we start off a good week, hey, I'm going to tell you about it. We had a good start to the week uh, yesterday. Brad, pretty much exactly how we saw those games going down. They went down. And, um, you know, I think this is one of those things where you – especially in that Cowboys and, and Washington game, I think is one of these deals where this is where you have to like, let the recency bias go. We really have to look into these matchups and we really have to each and every week study these games because some things might seem obvious. It's like, Oh, the Redskins and the uh, football team, I should say. And, and the Cowboys look at the Cowboys just beat the Vikings last week. Well, that was like a perfect setup, a perfect matchup for them. And this was quite the opposite of that. So, you know, this is the reason why we kind of dig into all these games the way that we do. Uh, yeah. And I think it kind of reinforces the importance. I, th- there's, there, I think there's like eight teams in the NFL where if they are facing a bad pass rush, then they've got skill skill positions with talent like like the Cowboys. Um, can't think of any can't think of any others off the top of my head. Maybe the Bengals, where maybe the Falcons would be another one. Where if they don't get obliterated up front, then they they'll score a load of points. You know, like the Cowboys did last week. But if if they can't block, like you know, a good defensive line like the Redskins, not the Redskins, the uh, the football team, then uh, they're in trouble. And I, I think that's I still think that's an underappreciated angle by the market. And and Brett, we take a look at that, you know, that Houston game and it listened, the Lions were completely depleted. And, you know, I, there was a lot of people out there. There's a lot of support for the Lions. I saw a lot of people, you know, even on game day saying like, oh, I like the Lions or take the Lions in a teaser. And I, I didn't want anything in this world to do with a Lions team with no Galladay and no Swift and a quarterback with an injured thumb and, you know, a head coach is definitely going to be on his way out the door. I, I saw no reason in this world to to back that Lions team. And again, it's set up pretty well for Houston. I mean, Desmond Trufant was going to be covering Will Fuller, who Desmond Trufant was the 120th rated corner, according to Pro Football Focus. I mean, it's like it was a dream matchup. And of course, Will Fuller goes out and smashes and, you know, uh, yeah, the Texans have been bad all year long. If you've been following this podcast, you know they've tricked us probably more times than we've actually been on them. But it was a, it was a, it, 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 we finally got it right with the Houston Texans yesterday. Yeah, I sat here on Tuesday and tried to make cases for the Detroit Lions, but all that goes out the window when they have nobody left on offense. DeAndre Swift out, obviously, um, you know, Galladay didn't play, and they had nobody on offense to keep pace with. This uh, with, with the Texans offense, which just, yeah, I mean, it just shredded Detroit's defense. The, it, it's not the same Detroit team that we we liked before the season. This is a very different unit. So uh, really no surprises. They're ugly, ugly game to watch, though. It really Man, that was. was. Bad. It really, really was. Um, all right. Let's uh, let's kick off with a game here that's off the board. We talked about this game on the podcast on on Wednesday. So let's just, you know, or on Tuesday when it came out on Wednesday. Um, it's the Ravens and Steelers. I don't even know at this point if this game's going to go off. More and more COVID tests keep coming in for the Ravens. Now we know Lamar Jackson has tested positive. So it looks like it's going to be RG3 if it does go. Um, they reposted this game after it got moved from Thursday to Sunday at four, it got to four and a half back to four. So it was kind of sitting four, four and a half range again, pulled off the board at this point, Brad, I guess just real quickly, if they do end up playing this game, have your thoughts changed any from Tuesday to now? I mean, especially, I know you were trying at least a little bit to make a case for the Ravens. Now that RG three would be quarterback. um, Does that basically get you off of your thoughts from, from a couple days ago? 
probably. I mean, it, obviously, it depends on the line, uh, and we obviously we don't know what that is currently. Um, but you would, I mean, in my eyes, the only strong part of that Ravens team was Lamar Jackson's running, and RG three isn't isn't really that player anymore. So they, they can't block. They've got no pass catchers, and now they don't have a, a mobile, particularly mobile quarterback. So you know, I would probably need maybe ten to to, yeah. to get on the Ravens side, and uh, you know, I don't I don't know if we'll get there. Uh, Brett, I assume you're the same as we were on Tuesday. You and I really like the Steelers anyway, and so I assume this is not going to change your thought. That said, if the line does come out, hopefully you got on it You know, on Tuesday in your book honors as long as it happens that week. Of course, this is another one of those check your book type situations because different play, different books do have different rules when it comes to all that. But um, I don't know. It would have to be kind of like Brad. It would have to be a very big number for me to get interested in the Ravens in this game right now. Yeah, I like the I like the Steelers at yeah. four and a half. If if you got it back uh, on Monday or Tuesday, that's obviously not going to be available when it reopens with RG three in there. That's going to be well north of seven. It's interesting with RG three. He's yeah, he, Fred's right. He's not the runner that that Lamar Jackson is, but he's probably a better thrower <laughs> than Lamar Jackson, and that's probably what they need to beat the Steelers in this spot. That said. I probably won't. Uh, we haven't seen right. RG3 with this offense at all, so I, I don't know what to expect from this offense. So yeah, that that's going to be a stay away. I I, I don't know what. I, I don't I don't think they're going to play yeah. this game. I, I just don't yeah, think it's kind of the happen. same with me. So that's why I wanted to just kind of rush on past it here. Let's go ahead and start things off though. Let's uh, let's go Raiders at the Falcons. Um, as we look right now, taking a look, DraftKings has this at three-point favorites for the Raiders, 54 on the total. FanDuel is sitting three and 53 and a half. And then MGM is sitting three fifty-three and a half on this one. So uh, take a look here. We know what the Raiders have done, right? I mean, they've actually been a fairly good offense. They've at least, at the very least, they've gone out and scored some points, moved the ball, allowed other teams to kind of score some points, move the ball as well. I think the big question mark heading into this one um, for the Falcons, Julio Jones, this is a guy that has not really been able to, uh, to, to really put in, you know, full, like a full few weeks in a row, whether it be practices, whether it be games, whether it be whatever, uh, Julio seems to be by, uh, being nagged by whatever it might be that's going on out there. Brad, I'll start with you. On this one, um, you know, you're going to hear this narrative and, and I'll, I'll see if you believe in it, but um, you're going to hear this narrative West Coast team going to the East Coast for an early game. I don't buy into that stuff anymore. These teams have changed their travel routines. They are flying first class. They're staying in luxury hotels. They are have their massage therapists and their nutritionists and their trainers and everything with them. I think that that was a narrative for a decade ago, not for, for, for now, but um, you know, it's going to be something that's going to be said for sure. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't, I don't buy into that. And I think if you look over the last three years or so, you would have made money just blindly backing those West coast teams in the early time slot. Um, so not a concern for me now. Julio, I think the big factor as you laid out there is, is Julio, um, you know, last basically over the last two years with Julio not in there, Matt Ryan is, thrown three touchdowns and six interceptions averages 250 yards a game when Julio is in there 30 touchdowns 17 interceptions 280 yards a game so just efficiency yardage everything everything goes way up um, and it's the, it's the same injury isn't it it's been a hamstring all year long um, and that you know you, all these Twitter doctors fantasy doctors are <laughs> saying this is not this is not going to go away unless they mm. rest him for a month which maybe they're badly coached maybe they've got a terrible medical staff but they're not doing it and he keeps re-aggravating it so I personally couldn't back the Falcons because even if he does go you know last week he, he went out early tried it again and they scored nine points and I think that's a, a real risk of happening again um, so I couldn't back them can I back the Raiders at minus three probably not because you know the, the stats guys will make this much closer to to pick them um, and I I do see the Raiders bullying this Falcons defense I think they will run the ball down their throat and you know, the way we saw them carve up KC, I think we could see a very similar thing here again from the Raiders. Um, but at minus three, it looks to be a bit priced in. If if some Falcons money does show up and we get a minus two and a half, I, I would might maybe have a nibble on the Raiders. Yeah. So, Brett, Falcons, look, they're, they're allowing 8.4 yards per pass attempt. That's the most in the league. Um, and they only give up 3.6 yards per carry. So this is a, this is kind of a, 
uh, pass funnel uh, defense here. So again, Falcons going to be looking, I mean, uh, Raiders going to be looking to throw the ball, which, you know, Hey, look, um, they've been doing fairly, fairly decently this year, which is, you know, again, to my surprise, Darren Waller, their number one receiver by and large, not even a question. He actually has double the targets of the second next, next guy on their team. He has 83 targets. Hunter Renfro has 41 targets on the season. So it's like, it is a tight end revolt. This offense revolves around Darren Waller at the tight end position. But if there ever was going to be a, a game where rugs finally might show up, like this might be the game. The Falcons have given up 47 catches of 20 yards or more. That is by far the most in the NFL. So maybe, maybe this is a chance for rugs to finally, to, to finally show up in this game. And then if you look on the other side of the ball, I mean, the Raiders defense is, is not any better either. I mean, Matt Ryan should have all day to throw their 31st in sacks, their 27th in quarterback hits. So, um, you know, I kind of look at this like, Hey, this, this could be, this could be, maybe this could be end up being a track meet again, kind of like we saw with, uh, with the chiefs. Yeah. Just kind of piggy, piggybacking off of what Brad said earlier about the Falcons, they can attack teams and get chunks against defenses that don't rush the passer. Well, and the Raiders don't even really try to get after the quarterback. 20% pressure rate this season, but they only blitz 19% of the time. So uh, I can see Atlanta, even if Julio isn't at full strength, moving the ball here. And I I imagine there's going to be a lot of support in the Raiders in this spot, coming off another impressive performance against Kansas City. So there might be a good number on Atlanta here if 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 you want to back them. So... I don't have a strong lean either way here, but I think this, there's going to be a lot of points in this game. I, I would I would probably go over if, if I was going to do anything in this game. Yeah, if Julio does sit, though, um, player props for Calvin Ridley. Guys, go in, look at those, love them. Uh, the Raiders defense, just in the last few weeks, Keenan Allen, nine for 103 and a touchdown. Tyreek Hill, 11 for 102 and a touchdown. Like, you know, indefinitely, in you know, Calvin Ridley is is not Keenan Allen or Tyreek Hill, but he's not far off from those guys. And um, they're going to have to throw a ton because, as we mentioned, it's just kind of a the way that this works. So uh, definitely look at Keenan Allen. I mean, definitely look at Calvin Ridley um, props if you can, whenever those whenever those pop up, should Julio decide to sit. He's going to have a big game. I can promise you that one. Um, let's head into the Cardinals and the Patriots. This is a very interesting game because this line has actually started to move and the Cardinals um, were two and a half point favorites against the Patriots down to one and a half. Now, now we know there's some COVID news for the Cardinals as well. Larry Fitzgerald is going to be out of this game because he has been moved to the COVID list Uh 49 and a half on the total in this one at all spots sitting at one and a half. Brett, I know a lot of people probably look at that line and look at that, look at that line for the Cardinals and say, that seems like short line. Why are they only a point and a half favorites against the Patriots? But I think, uh, you know, if you start to look, one of the reasons is because this Cardinals defense is absolute gutter trash. Yeah, it is. And I think the, the Patriots will be able to, to find some success here. Like I said last week, there, there is no more unpredictable team in the NFL this year, week to week, than, than New England Patriots. And much of that is because of Cam Newton and, and this offense. So my approach will continue to be buying the Patriots off a loss and selling them off a win where they actually look good. And they didn't look good last week. So here they are facing uh, a public darling in the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray. And Bets are coming in on Arizona, but like you said, like the money appears to be coming in on the Patriots. So this is, I would have loved to get the two and a half, um, not a huge move to the one and a half there, but I do like the Patriots here as home dogs off a loss with a huge coaching, coaching mismatch. I, I mean, I don't think anyone, anybody on this podcast has been impressed with what Cliff Kingsbury's done no. this year yeah. uh, with Kyler Murray. So yeah, I just see this as a really good bounce back spot for the Patriots against a, a team that the public is uh, just loves in Arizona. Uh, Brad, one of the things that we know about this Cardinals defense is they are very bad at defending the run. Typically, PFF has their rush defense ranked down at number 30. We know what this uh, we know what this uh, Patriots team would prefer to do, and they would want to be a power run team first with Cam having to throw just to kind of change things up. So there should be 
success to be found on the ground against this team. The Patriots, not a not a team you love to back these days, but um, it's a it's an interesting spot here where it's kind of their strength on the Cardinals' weakness, and uh, Bill Belichick tends to kind of expose those things. Um, yeah, I think offensively, so strength on strength for the Patriots' running game, as you say, but I also think the Cardinals' passing game is going to have lots of success. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in the last month or so, they're, they're a top 10 unit. They've really improved on where they were earlier in the season, more explosive, more consistent. Um, they're going to they're gonna be able to protect pretty well, I would have said. Um, you know, the, the PFF basically ranks matchups between offensive and defensive lines, and they've got Arizona with the, the second best matchup of the entire slate here. Um, so Murray should be comfortable back there. Um, and then, you know, as, as part of that failing to get pressure, this Patriots defense is worst in the league um, in pass defense DVOA. So I can see I can see the Cardinals moving the ball. Um, and I kind of agree that the, the Patriots should move the ball. So I was I was tempted by the un, uh, by the over. Sorry, because um, it, it does seem I mean, it's lower than an average NFL game this year. Um, I'm not worried about Fitzgerald missing. If anything, we might get more Andy Isabella, which um, you know he, he's much more explosive. So, so that might even might be a positive. Um, the reason I haven't is just because of this this Murray injury. Uh, obviously, a sprained AC joint. He's been limited in practice. Sounds like he'll be fine. They're going to shoot him up. But if there's any reluctance to run or throw deep, then you know that that could be significant. Obviously, his legs are a huge part of what they do in the red zone on, on third down, and, and that's mm. just just scaring me off a little bit. So, you know, I'm trying to keep things, things tighter late in the year and, and, you know, sort of fewer bets. And if there's anything I'm not sure about, I'm not betting it. So that's where I am with this game. Yeah, it would, it would, it would either be Patriots in a teaser for me or pass. And for the reason you just mentioned, and that's where I was going to come on the Kyler Murray thing. Listen, I was watching that Thursday night game and I was, you know, I do a show on MSG and we were live on air and I was like, something is wrong with Kyler Murray. Like, like, like I know that it was, they didn't pull him out of the game. They didn't whatever, but like the thing that Brad, what you just mentioned, that was the key giveaway to me. His, his reluctance to run Kyler Murray. When you had some of the lanes that he had in that game, he has no problem pulling the ball down and taking off. Like he has done it. And we've watched him do it time and time and time and time again. He was not doing it because he didn't want to get hit because he was hurt. And like they asked Cliff Kingsbury about his shoulder this past week where he said, ah, you know, we're gonna have to see, we're going to get on the practice field and see what's going on. Um, if, if Kyler is not Kyler, then this team is completely different to me. So uh, it, it's a, it is definitely a, a, a Patriots or pass for me. And um you know, might end up on them in a teaser leg. Like I said, getting them up over the touchdown to a seven and a half seems like a a pretty good bet for me in this one. Giants and the Bengals. Giants are six point road favorites over the Bengals. We're looking at a total of 44 and a half in this one. Guys, um, uh, 44 flat actually at FanDuel as well. We take a look at this one. We know what the big story is. No Joe Burrow, unfortunately get well soon um i am uh you know obviously joe burrow fan number one so really tough to watch him go out like he did that said sports talk radio real quick when you have the worst offensive line in the whole world and you have a franchise quarterback maybe don't lead the league in dropbacks i don't know just uh you know just just something there's my sports talk radio rant for for just a second um so we're going to get, here's the funny part of this, about this. So we're going to get Brandon Allen. It's not even going to, it's not even going to be Ryan Finley. Um, Brandon Allen is going to start for the Bengals called up off the practice squad. A few spot starts for him, if you remember over the years, but uh, nothing memorable at all for him. The Giants actually have the 10th overall pressure rate in the league. So I think this could get ugly. I know those, I think somebody, uh, we were talking pre-show, said they didn't have an opinion on this. I actually really like the Giants in this spot. I think the Giants could have a field day in this game against this Bengals defense. The, the last five games, the Bengals have allowed a 66% completion percentage, 8.1 yards per attempt. They've given up 15 touchdowns in the last five games as well. Um, they're, they're way down in sacks and pressure rate and quarterback hits. So, hey, if Daniel Jones isn't back there wet in the bed, then he's actually looked decent and competent at times at quarterback. Um, Brad, I, I don't remember if this is the one that you said you were passing on or not, but um, what do you think of Giants and Bengals? 
Um, yeah, I'll, I'll probably agree with your side. I did have a small bet on the Giants and a bet on the over as well. So I think the interesting thing is, so the, the Giants' schedule, they faced, I think, the, the toughest schedule of opposing defences. So so that's been tough on dimes. Um, and obviously that's, that's, that's going to be very different this week with some of the metrics you just laid out for the Bengals. Um, he's going to have his, his full fleet of weapons out there, Shepard and... Um, uh, Slayton on the outside. Slayton, yeah. Ingram, yeah. Um, Slayton, I think, is, is right in line for a big game if, if player props and uh, touchdowns for, for anyone out there. Um, so, so what, I think the what would give you that idea? Would it be, would it be uh, Corey Davis, eight for 128, Deontay Johnson, six for 116, Richard Higgins, six for 110, Marcus Johnson, five for 108, DJ Chark, eight for 95, McLaurin, five for 84, Juju, nine for 77. So, yeah, I'm with you. I'm going to hit every Slayton prop that they friggin' put on the board because, like, it is, it's going to be, it's going to be good for him. No doubt about it. Yeah. Sounds like the floor there is 80 yards. Uh, and I suspect <laughs> his, his over-under will not be 80 yards. So uh, we, we like that one. Um, and then on the other side of the ball, the Giants' defense have actually faced a very easy schedule. So so they're probably not as good as they've looked to date this season. So one thing that, that just, to me, that says going forward, the Giants' offense is going to get a lot better and the Giants' defense is going to get worse. Um, now... Probably the best, the safest way to play it is just leave Brandon Allen out of it and just play Giants team total over. Um, yeah. Because who knows what we're going to get from him. So last year, he was the 62nd graded quarterback by PFF. Um, so he was, you know, he was truly terrible. He was <laughs> around Luke Falk, Luke Falk, Colt McCoy, Garrett Gilbert, and Trevor Simeon. You know, that's that's his kind of level. So it, it does feel a bit to me like the, the Bengals are set up entirely around the quarterback. You know, like nothing about the team is good, but they were kept afloat because they had a, a good quarterback who could spread it out to good weapons. And if they don't have that, they could be, you know, truly Jetsian. So... Yeah, Giants team total over or Giants or, you know, something around there. Anything with the Bengals being terrible. Yeah, I don't know how you back the Bengals in this situation. I guess Brett will probably, if there's anyone in the world who would back the Bengals, it would be Brett in this situation. So I go to you. Are you going to back the Bengals? I tend to favor the insertion of a backup quarterback because the market tends to overreact to the starting quarterback being injured, but this is not one of those spots. I, I can't, I can't back Brandon Allen. Uh, like Brad said, he was atrocious last year. He's been on the practice squad all this year. Uh, I, I do feel a little better about him than Ryan Finley. Just a, <laughs> is there a worse quarterback in the NFL? You're, you're, you're like, that doesn't Finley. say much. Like, yeah, that doesn't yeah, say much, but you know, but, yeah. <laughs> I, I can't back. I can't back the Bengals here. I think Danny, I think Daniel Jones is going to have a field day here. Uh, I think the yeah. giants could, could route here. So I, I, who thought the Giants would be six-point road favorites at any point during this season? Cer- certainly not me. Uh, I, I'm surprised at where we are right now, but the Giants have been playing pretty good football. I think this is this is warranted. So I I don't have a side here, but I, I don't blame you at all for backing the Giants. I mean, D- Daniel Jones has looked competent when he has not been running for his life. And if there was ever a game where he would not be running for his life, it would be this one. The dead last pass rush, according to pro football focus, as I already mentioned, they don't hit the quarterback. They don't sack the quarterback at all. Um, I kind of, I kind of feel like Daniel Jones might be one of those kind of sneaky. Again, if you're a, if you're a DFS player out there as well, a guy that maybe you want to uh, sneak into your lineups where nobody's going to be on Daniel Jones this week, I would, uh, I'd maybe look his way as well i mean uh the other thing just just one other we talked about those those splash catches you know those those uh explosive plays the bingles have also given up 39 of those catches of 20 or 20 or more yards down the field so it's just been uh it's just been absolutely crazy Let's move on to another game. Interesting here, a fairly big spread for a team that's been less than impressive. Cleveland Browns, six-point favorites against the Jacksonville Jaguars. 49, your total in this one. Uh, Brett, look, everything points to the Browns, you know, should be able to have success against this uh, Jaguars team that has just been giving up points to, uh, you know, nearly everybody that they have been playing. They have also made a quarterback. They have also made a quarterback change. They're going with Mike Glennon. um, If that tells you anything. So Mike Glennon is going to be starting for the, uh, for the Jaguars in this one. Um, Six point favorites, 49 on the total. 
I actually think some points probably are in play in this one. No Miles Garrett, no Denzel Ward for the Browns as well. So, um, you know, should be you can't, Glennon can't be worse than Luton was and the Jags were scoring some points here and there. So I don't know. I kind of like points in this one if I was going to be looking at this game. Yeah, like look, the, the Jags are a mess. Key injuries all over the all over the place. Plus the team was hit with COVID this week. You've got coaches who aren't even in the facility, like players are are coaching themselves <laughs> this week. So <laughs> but you know, without looking at the other side of it, it would appear that everything should line up for Cleveland. It just to walk over Jacksonville in this game. But the Browns are a mess too, like you said. Uh, Miles Garrett out, Denzel Ward out with a calf strain, five players out with COVID COVID designation. So I, I I don't know really what to do as far as picking a side in this game. Like we've seen the Jags in this mm-hmm. similar spot many times, just rally together as a unit. <laughs> like there's definitely fight in this team. Uh, I think the the Browns minus six is a pretty fair line, but I I like the over quite a bit. Neither one of these teams are anywhere close to full strength on defense right now. The Browns shouldn't be able to do whatever they want on offense, and I think Mike Glennon is gonna find ways to move the ball through the air against this Browns defense. So uh, I think the over or the, uh, what, what is it? 49 right now. I, th- yeah, I, I love, yeah, I love the over here. Yeah. I actually got it at 48 a little bit earlier in the week and uh, felt, feel pretty good about it. Even at 49, I think I, it's, it's a play for me, Brad, you have uh, any opinion on Browns Jags? Raw number without doing any of these defensive injuries, uh, nine. So I, I just had a, a, a small bet based entirely off that. I like it a bit less now, Garrett and uh, Ward are out. But Jags are equally banged up. Um, Josh Allen on the IR, DJ Hayden and Sidney Jones, their top two corners, both likely to miss. Um, and then it's the it's the weather stuff again, isn't it? We, you know, three weeks in a row now, the Browns have had these terrible weather games. But if we if we strip that out, um, their their point their games averaging sixty points a game. Um, so you know, and there's no reason why they shouldn't score at least thirty against the Jacksonville team that's that's allowing thirty points a game, thirty first in defensive efficiency. Um, yeah, and uh, with with the injuries, you would think Mike Glennon is is professional enough to come back and uh, put up twenty of his own. So yeah, I, I like the overlook as well. Panthers and the Vikings. I will go ahead and say this was one of the very first games that I scratched off of my list this week of games I want no part of. I just can't. I have no opinion here on this one. Maybe it's because coming off of the uh, the worst week of, of, of the season for me, I lost a, a decent amount on the old Vikings. Got in on them live. Thought they could rally. Thought they could get some stuff done. Uh, they are three and a half point favorites over the Carolina Panthers. It looks like Teddy Bridgewater is going to be back for the Panthers, though it didn't look like last week it was that big of a difference between him and P.J. Walker. But uh, looks like Teddy is going to be out there. Will not have Christian McCaffrey, however, in this one, Brad, the Panthers on the road at the Vikings, three and a half point dogs. Yeah, I'm not involved in this one in the slightest. So I think a when the Panthers have the ball, I think they match up quite nicely with just their three sort of receiving weapons against a very young Minnesota Vikings cornerback group. Um, so I can see them moving the ball quite nicely through the air, especially in the first half, because Brady does seem to have quite good scripts over there. But conversely, I can see um, I can see the Vikings just running the ball with impunity, like the you know this Panthers defense especially against the run, it is one of the very worst in the league. Um, and, and the Vikings are kind of one of those bully teams who I was talking about earlier, where if they can block you up front, then they've got the weaponry that, that they can run over you. Um, obviously, Adam Thielen is, is a huge question here. And another reason I'm not involved, uh, COVID at the minute, unclear whether he'll play. Um, if, he, if he does play, you, you would look to the over because of those sort of matchups that mm. favor the offense in my view but they both play so incredibly slowly as well like, you know they both milk the clock they're both bottom 10 in in neutral pace so nothing nothing for me there too many conflicting angles in the end uh brett you and i both dfs players whatever i think for this one it's uh i'm just going to look at dalvin cook props and if they're you know if they're not if they're not high enough i'll go ahead and take a a shot on something like that but 
a lot of unknowns in this one. We, again, don't necessarily know who's going to play quarterback. We don't know if Adam Thielen's going to be out there. We, with, with all the unknowns as we sit right now, the only thing I do know is Dalvin Cook is going to have a really good freaking day in this game. So I'll just be looking at Dalvin Cook props maybe if, to, to attack this one, but no real opinion on that number. He should, yeah. He should have his way with this this Carolina defense. Um, if Teddy plays anything north of three, I kind of like Carolina, though. I love what Matt Rule is doing with this offense. He puts them in an optimal position to succeed on every play. And if they do get out to a lead, like defensively, the Panthers have the pass rushers who can create havoc without needing to blitz. And the Vikings with Kirk Cousins without his top pass catcher in Adam Thielen is kind of scary. So I, I think this is a game that, the Carolina Panthers could win with Teddy Bridgewater under center with these weapons. They could have their way with this Minnesota, Minnesota secondary. So I think, yeah, three and a half is a pretty nice number for Carolina here. Titans and the Colts. This is a very big game within that division. I don't have to tell you that the Titans are three point dogs to the Colts. Colts, an expensive three at DraftKings. This thing could be going to three and a half at DraftKings. If we take a look at some of the other books out there, an expensive three as well at FanDuel and then over at uh, over at BetMGM, an expensive three on the Colts there too. 51 and a half your total. Now this one, another game uh, revolving around injury news and COVID news and things like that. Um, on the Titan side of the ball, AJ Brown, a did uh, DNP on Wednesday and on Thursday. Uh, of course, we're taping this on Friday morning, so we don't know what the status is for him there, but something very, very big to keep an eye on. And then DeForest Buckner is going to miss this game for the Colts um, on the COVID list. And so their very best run stopper against a team that has Derrick Henry in the backfield is now going to be out of the question. And so a very interesting kind of chess match here. Brett, I thought I wanted to lean towards the Titans and then the A.J. Brown news. And so until I can get some sort of clarity one way or the other on whether he's going to be out there, it's kind of hard for me to pull the trigger here. I did. I will say at least I did have a Titans lean, but I uh, I can't go there if he's not going to go because this team at that point is just a completely different offensive uh, unit. Yeah, that's a huge loss if he doesn't go. Normally, I would see this as a spot to fade the Titans, who went into Baltimore and beat the most overrated team in football last week. And as a result, this line dropped to three. I think it was it was north of yeah, it was north of three on the look ahead last week. But I have I have a hard time backing this Colts team still too. Uh, after a huge win against Green Bay, they continue to move the ball by dinking and dunking down the field. It seems to work. Uh, so, hey, maybe they can continue throwing to Naheem Hines every game like the Patriots did yeah. for a decade and, and found success that way. But I just I don't understand why it's working. Uh, so so this is just going to this is going to be a pass for me. I think this line is pretty fair. And I just I don't know really what to do with either of these teams right now. Yeah, I mean, the, the the DeForest Buckner news wanted to get me on the Titans. It wanted to it wanted me to say, like, OK, with him out with him out of there, th- then they're just going to be able to bully with with uh Derek Henry but uh now they're they're dealing with stuff of their own and so Brad it's just uh it's tough for me to pull the trigger one way or the other right now yeah that that AJ Brown thing would be key um it, I wonder what I wonder if the line would move because if, if it went to three and a half if he was announced out I would probably back the Titans because I, I think Corey Davis he has been a lot better this year obviously historically he's been a disappointment but he has he has definitely stepped up this year for whatever reason and I think that the Forrest Buckner injury is huge uh, the, the first game it did the Colts did stop the Titans doing what they wanted to do I know Henry I think had the most rushing yards that the Colts had given up all season but they did generally stop the run pretty well and that you know, if you force Tannehill to drop back without play action and it's just a straight drop back on second and 10, he's, he's nowhere near as effective as otherwise. So we saw last week what the Titans can do if you're missing key players in the middle of your defensive line when obviously they, they, they wore down the Ravens late. And I could see that happening again. Um, and then just numbers wise, you know, this, this closed this closed Colts minus one. So if we just flip that, we, we get ourselves um, Titans minus three. Uh, Colts minus three. Um, so, so it's fair in that sense. But I do think that final score in the first game was 
was misleading. It, they they had equal success rates, fifty four percent each for that game, um, and obviously the Titans missed a field goal, had a punt blocked, and then had a twenty yard punt as well. So I think there's there's probably value at the Titans, but we we do have to see what happens with AJ Brown. Yeah. Um, and, and just as you're, you know, handicapping this game as you head into Sunday, guys, like, you know, I don't think we could understate what a big difference DeForest Buckner not being in that for that offense is. I mean, it, this is the numbers that are going to keep getting spit at you about how good this Colts defense is. And it has been very, very good this year. But if you're if you're somebody who doesn't pay attention to these defensive players enough and only knows kind of like the 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 super big names. Imagine if you were looking at a Rams game, but then they said Aaron Donald wasn't going to be out there. Now he's not, he's not as good as Aaron Donald, but just trying to put it on a level of what he means to that defense. Like, you know how you would look at the Rams defense completely different if Aaron Donald wasn't going to be playing. Well, that's how you should also look at this Colts defense without Buckner being out there. He's been that good this year. He's been that disruptive this year. And um, all the numbers that you get on this Colts defense don't necessarily apply with him on the sidelines. So just something to think about as you, uh, as you move on chargers and the bills, the chargers four and a half point dogs heading over to Buffalo um, total of 52 and a half in this one. And people are going to look and they're going to say a total of 52 and a half. Wow. Big total for a bills game. No, the bills are a passing team. Now guys, the bills put it in the air. And then the chargers guys, the last seven games for the chargers, they have scored 31, 27, 39, 30, 26, 21, and 34 points. The total in those games, the total combined points in those last chargers, seven games are 69, 57, 68, 61, 57, 50, and 62. So the Chargers score a bunch and they give up a bunch. And so that's why we're looking at this total where it is at. And guess what? Give me the over in this game. There's going to be 60 points scored in this game. No doubt in my mind whatsoever. The Bills don't even try to run the ball anymore. They don't want to. The Chargers now, not only are they without Austin Eckler, uh, Kalen Balazs is a little bit banged up as well. I imagine they're going to throw the ball every friggin' time that they get the, the, the they can, that they can as well. Uh, Brett, we always start with you on Bill's games. Uh, one, is there any weather concerns? And two, what do you think about the Bills and the Chargers? I haven't seen anything that's really going to have an impact uh, okay. here in Buffalo. So I wouldn't be worried about that. I don't have a whole lot on this game. I thought this line was pretty fair with the Bills coming off the bye at home against a West Coast team that looked good for one half of football last week and then just hit the brakes against the Jets. Uh, the Jets actually had a sweat there at the end, which was just unfathomable after, after that first half. But that's just Anthony Lynn, uh, football. Like it, yeah. It's hard to put your hard-earned dollars on anything having to do with Anthony Lynn uh, as good as Justin Herbert looks at times as good as his defense looks at times coaching matters and the chargers have one of the worst in the NFL. So it's really hard to back this team. I would lean bills who have had some extra, extra rest and extra prep, prep time here for Justin Herbert. Uh, they're also a little healthier on defense now, which is nice, but yeah, I'm with you. I think there's going to be a lot of points in this game because like, do people really understand yet what this bills team is? Like they're I don't think no, I do not. Th- yeah, no, I do not think they do because they're they. It's been ingrained in their brain as to what the Bills were over the last decade, and it's like no, that is like the complete opposite of what this team is now. Yeah, and a play caller who loves to just like dice up defenses with just finding creative ways to do it with Josh Allen. They are a passing football team, and I don't see why they wouldn't go after the Chargers in the same way in this spot. So yeah, I think uh, I think sixty plus points is very very probable in the spot. Yeah, uh, Brad, I mean, look, I, Trey White is is very good, but the problem is, is like Keenan Allen might be the most matchup-proof receiver there is on the face of the planet because he doesn't get greedy. He just like, he goes and finds an open space and just plops down, and then that's just what he does. And with that, he, you know, leads the league in targets. He's got 112 freaking targets already this year. Like, I mean, because he just goes, he just finds a spot. He's like, he's, he's his longest completion on the year is 26 yards. 
to Keenan Allen. That's how ridiculous it is for, for this guy. Like he is uh, no ego, no nothing. Hey, if you want to give me eight yards, I'll go get eight yards. You want to give me 12, I'll go get 12. And that's just, that's just what it is. So um, I don't, I don't think that Keenan Allen gets limited in this game. I think the chargers move the ball. I think the bills move the ball. Um, I, I like a lot of points here, but I am with Brett. If I had to pick, if I had to play a side, I'm not right this second. If I had to play a side, I would play the bills. 55 by now um, and it's it's not so I check the weather I'm seeing 10 to 15 miles an hour winds nothing that should should really slow it down whatsoever um, so I yeah I think it's just wrong you've got two two teams in the top 10 in pass heaviness on early downs two teams in the top 10 of pace and, and they're both being very efficient with it um, so yeah I just think it should be 55 I don't know I suspect it. I, I think it has to move. I, I, it's got to move at some point. I, I don't know. I don't know why it hasn't. Um, I'll, I'll be surprised if it doesn't. For the side, probably lean charges. You know, the, the Anthony Lynn narrative is he's so conservative with a lead that you know he'll give up a lead. So back him as an underdog, and um, mm. you know, fade him as a favourite. And I think that's that's probably correct. Like, if you yeah. just look at the talent on these two teams, you, you, there's there's no difference, and the, uh, the Chargers are probably more talented. Uh, it's ju- it's just coaching that makes the Bills the better team yeah. with the better record. So I think if you if you get that cushion of the five points to to take away any late game mishaps or coughing up a lead, then I think I think that's the safer side. But as I say, I think the over is a, a great bet. Miami Dolphins and the New York Jets. We currently sit with the Dolphins as seven-point road favorites over the Jets. It looks like Sam Darnold is going to be back for this game for the Jets. Uh, This thing could be going to six and a half at DraftKings. It is minus 120 on the seven if you wanted to take the full touchdown on the Jets. 44 the total. Brad, I'll kick it to you. I don't have... One, I will not watch this game. Two, I do not want to. I don't care anything about this game. Tua has a maybe has a jammed thumb or something or whatever. Like I, I don't, I don't even want to spend. I didn't want to spend one friggin' second trying to actually wasting my time of handicapping this game. So complete pass for me. No, uh, no interest in anything. I will keep it brief. Then I liked the Dolphins at minus six and a half. Uh, just missed the boat, but it might come back because. You know, the, the Jets took a little bit of money late last week because they've got their receivers back. Um, but so I think the way to beat the Dolphins is up front. If you can block them up, which the, the Broncos did last week, and you can run the ball on them, then you can nullify them because they're they're light and they're fast, they cover well, and they've got good receivers. Uh, well, the Jets can do none of the things to hurt the Dolphins. Like They're only strong with the receivers, but the Dolphins can cover those receivers uh, and they won't be able to run the ball on them. So I think they match up beautifully for Miami to just sort of bounce back from last week and stuff them essentially. And then with that, as soon as the Dolphins have a lead in the second half, they will just sit on the ball. So I will bet the Dolphins if it gets to minus six and a half. I will bet the Dolphins if Tua doesn't go and Fitzpatrick is in there because I think he's a massive upgrade. Um, But as it stands, I'm not yet involved. Yeah, that would uh, that would be my only that would be my only thing. If if Fitz ends up starting this game, you might get some interest in me in the Dolphins. But Brad, as we sit right now, no interest in this one whatsoever. What say you? I I think in any other matchup, there would still be value in fading Miami right now. This offense has just been so atrocious over the past three weeks. Thirty first in yards per play. Uh, and in 2020, you got you have to be airing it out to score points to consistently win football games. But like Brad said, the mashups here are just bad for the Jets. They want to be throwing the football. Joe Flacco leads the NFL in air yards, <laughs> which is just insane. <laughs> but that's, that's just been, you know, Gaze has just been going YOLO with, with this passing attack over yeah. the past several weeks. Uh, and that's what Miami does best is, is defend the pass with these cornerbacks. So I don't really have a lean on this. I thought this was pretty fair, but I it's hard for me to get on the jets here in a spot where I normally would. The saints and the Broncos saints go on the road, six point favorites over the Broncos in this one, a 43 and a half point total in today's NFL. Of course, we know the big news here is that it is going to be game number two for Taysom Hill. And that a lot, a lot of that has to do with the total that we're seeing right there. The Saints run the ball more when Taysom Hill's in there. Of course, they're uh, factoring in that he's not quite as accurate. Um, a lot of people were singing Taysom Hill's praises last week after that win 
if you go back and you look at, at the 200 and whatever, 30 yards that he threw for, 45 of those were to Emmanuel Sanders when he underthrew him by like 10 yards and Emmanuel Sanders had to stop and turn around and run backwards to come and catch the ball. And then another 36 of those yards were to uh, Latavius Murray out of the backfield. So you're talking 75 to 80 yards of the 230 that were, you know, questionable really at best. And so I'm not ready to crown Taysom Hill quite yet. It was about one of the softest spots you could possibly ask to land on here. Now on the road for the Broncos. Um, Brett, like I, I look at this and uh, kind of a where that number is seems fair to me. It seems kind of about right. But with a, in a game with a incredibly low total like this, I mean, you kind of either lean dog or pass because, I mean, if you're talking 43 and uh, we're not completely sold on Taysom Hill, then it's kind of a dog or pass type play. But I think it'll just be a pass on the game for me. Yeah, Taysom Hill shredded a, a poor Atlanta defense last week. Like you said, though, that was just in the box. He did not look good to the eyes last week and a much tougher environment here on the road against one of the best defenses in the NFL. A very complete defense. Number three run defense grade, number three coverage grade, according to, according to PFF. Uh, and I think he's going to struggle here against Vic Fangio as long as Drew Locke doesn't hand this to the Saints, which, of course, is always in play. Right. I think Denver can keep this close. I still, I really like the ceiling for this Denver offense week to week because of the, you know, they play, well, they play great defense, but they also have weapons on offense to get splash plays and move the ball and and score. And it's, it's risky, but I like Denver here against Taysom off the win when people may just be looking at the numbers and not actually seeing how he uh, got that production against Atlanta last week. So you're going to see a lot of betters on the saints here, but I think this is a good spot to sell Taysom as a pro quarterback. Yeah, this has already moved from five and a half to six. So the the saints money did come in. Um, And so sitting here where we sit right now, I mean, look, this saints defense though, Brad has is, is finally playing like the saints defense that we thought that they were going to be at the beginning of the season. They were battling a tons of injuries. They were never able to get the full unit out there. Then over the last month of the season, they've been one of the very best defenses there is in the league getting it done at every single level. So I do think the Broncos struggle as well in this one, which is why I think it just leans me to a pass because I just, you know, I don't want to back Taysom necessarily here against this Broncos defense, but the way the Saints defense is playing, uh, I don't have any confidence in the Broncos either. No, I don't think I don't think the Broncos are moving the ball at all. Um, so they're last in early down passing success rate. I think they're last in football outsiders offensive DVOA. So against a defense that, as you say, has, has come on very strong and one of the best defenses in the league over the last month, um, I don't think they're going to move the ball at all. So the, the Broncos move the ball against Miami via the run. Well, you've got the best rush defense in the league, so that's not happening either. Um, so I think they're really going to struggle. So it does come down to what you think of Taysom Hill and the offense. Um, and I, I agree with Brett that they probably caught the Falcons a bit by surprise. You know, on Friday, at least mm-hmm. that Taysom was playing. They'd probably been preparing for Jameis. And then he didn't set the world on fire, as you say. But if you use season-long numbers here, I made this one 10. So are we knocking off mm-hmm. four points um, because he's that much worse? It, it, it's, it's a tough one. Uh, I, at five yeah. and a half, I would back the Saints because I do think they are just a far yeah. superior team. Um, but at six, again, as I said earlier, I'm not trying to force anything at this point, so I would leave it alone. Yeah, that's kind of with me. I, I I could force a bet in here, and I think I'm just going to decide to not. I think I'm just going to decide to pass and and uh, live to live live for, live for next week, guys. Sometimes we're 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 still uh, licking our wounds from from the week before. Uh, 49ers and the Rams. 49ers six and a half point dogs at the Rams. A 45 total here. Um, Brad, this is one of those games where we have talked ad nauseum about the what a shell that this 49ers team is of what they of what they used to be. I mean, it doesn't even matter where you look to offensive side of the ball, defensive side of the ball, injuries all over the place. And it's not, you know, even close to the team that they were to begin the season. The Rams on the other side here. um, Here's the deal. And we talked about here on this podcast and I'm perfectly fine with saying like, 
I, we weren't wrong by any stretch of the imagination. A guy can just change and a guy can evolve. Listen, we were talking about this Rams team. We were going, what the hell is Sean? What, what the hell is Sean McVay doing? He is sitting there and he's running on early downs and they've become one of the most run heavy teams in the NFL. Their offense is predictable and they're not getting any, they're, they're not using these skill players that they have to, to any sort of their ability. And then, Hey, look, tip of the cap credit to him. Uh, last two weeks, he has completely abandoned that run-heavy offense thing. He has completely abandoned the early down running and has basically become a friggin' <laughs> run. He's basically become a gunslinger offense out there right now, and it's worked because you know, look. If you don't have Jared Goff in predictable passing situations to where teams can just tee off and and blitz the hell out of him, then, you know, you, you actually have a guy that can that can be decent, you know, and if they're fine with Deacon dunking down the field and, and using the tight ends and using Cooper Cup over the middle and then every now and then you kind of hit Robert Woods for a bigger play. Uh, we know what the defense brings to the table. It's pretty nasty. So. Um, I, I think I like the kind of the future of this Rams team here should McVay kind of continue what he's been doing offensively the last couple of weeks. But six and a half still in the NFL is a, a pretty big number to cover. Yes. So, I mean, just just with what you were talking about there with McVay's passing last week, I'm, I'm stunned that more teams don't come out and pass the ball 80% of the time in the first half on early mm-hmm. downs because I, th- I think we've, we've seen two teams do it this year, Buffalo against Seattle, and they put up 40 in that game. And then obviously the Rams did it last Monday night and they, you know, they went up and down the field. And I, you know, you, you look at some people running on early downs the entire time and just go, what sport are you watching? But anyway, um, yeah. here, yeah. The, I did have, I did have a, um, I really like a bet on over first quarter points. So long term, I don't like Nick Mullins in this game, um, but Mm -hmm. I do believe he can follow the Shani script. Um, You know, they did that against New Orleans, came down, marched down the field for a touchdown and then scored two field goals the rest of the game. Uh, Because Mullins, if if you take him off his first read, he is abysmal, but he can make the first read and put the ball where it needs to go. Um, And then the Rams, they have the second most um, points on, on first on their first drive of the game in the NFL this year as well. You know, the Mobay script is is very good as well. And we've seen the numbers about, you know, once they're ahead, they can put the game away. Um, but basically, I think we've got two superb offensive minds, one with extra rest, uh, and we need... Not, the, you, you can get over nine and a half at plus money at the minute. I, I've seen plus 105 out there, and I think that's a, a superb bet. Um, and then in game, I think second half, maybe the way we, we saw in the first game, uh, that these defenses clamp down after the script runs out because uh, they, they both like to work the short areas of the field and these defenses flow to the ball quite nicely. So, um, yeah, that, that, that's how I'm playing this one. Yeah, Brett, I, uh, as far as an in-game strategy for me, uh, this is one of the ones I kind of earmarked that I'm going to be paying attention to this week because ideally for me, the situation that would play out best for me would be that the 49ers get the ball first, the 49ers move the ball down the field and score some points, and then I get the Rams at a better number in-game. And so I, I kind of like, I circle these games where I would like just a little bit under what the number is, and and that's where I am right now with the Rams. If I could get this thing under six, I would really like that much, much better. So. Uh, I have this one more marked for an in-game play than I do a pre than I do a pre-flop play, but um, you know, it's uh, it's certainly one of the certainly one of the games where if they continue to do what they've done the last two weeks, the Rams could run away with this thing. I mean, like it, it could get out of control, but you know, we've seen we've seen coaches have success and then revert back to what they've been doing before. So I'm not ready to just say that the Rams have completely turned the corner yet. Yeah. One of those coaches is Sean McVay. So yeah. that could, that could definitely happen this week. I like that first quarter narrative because uh, Shanahan's had an extra week off the bye to script a couple offensive possessions mm-hmm. for Mullins too. So I, I, I do like that. And then the Niners already beat the Rams once this season. Uh, granted that mm-hmm. was with Jimmy G, but Shanahan seems to have McVay's number in these matchups. He's won the last three. Uh, the Niners also getting healthier on both sides of the ball. So I think this should be six. If you can get the, the Niners plus seven, I think that's my play in this game, selling the Rams off that huge game against the Bucks, a massive win for them with the, the seating implications on the line there. It might be a letdown spot for the Rams here against, against Shanahan. 
Chiefs and the Bucks. Uh, Chiefs, three and a half point road favorites over the Buccaneers. It is an expensive three and a half on the Bucks at uh, DraftKings. So uh, this thing could be heading to a this could this thing could be heading to a flat three. But um, look, guys, the Bucks. I think this was a this is a pretty much been exposed kind of as to what this team is is all about i mean we've seen multiple this isn't an overreaction from what we've seen recently because we've seen it multiple times this year with this bucks team i was probably higher on them than i should have been and um you know at the end of the day i think when you look at this bucks team and despite all the playmakers you look at these teams that have these dynamic offenses and, and offenses that we're marveling at and it just takes so much away from what an offense is capable of when you have a quarterback that cannot move at all. And when you have a quarterback that is back there and you never have to worry about any sort of rollout or any sort of RPO or any sort of anything like that in, in today's NFL. And, and it's why when you look at the chiefs and we talk about the bills and the Seahawks and all these teams, like the Cardinals where they, there's just the playbook is just so much bigger that you can run in these defenses. I think with this bucks team, have started to figure out that like, hey, you know, I think there's a way that we can defend this team, even though they do have three incredible wide receivers, because Brady is just so incredibly one dimensional and the team has no run offense whatsoever at all. And so it's become completely run one dimensional as well. I understand um if you wanted to take this team at three and a hook, that's fine with me. If this thing gets to the flat three, which it looks like it's going to, I think I will might be making one of my bigger bets of the week on the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are, are a far superior team in pretty much all aspects um, in this game. So, uh, Brett, I'll start with you, but I am uh, I really like the Chiefs at a flat three, and it looks like it's probably going to get there, and when it does, I will be on them at that number. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't know how you can back the Bucks here. They're Like you said, they're so handcuffed with what they can do offensively, and Tom Brady is so washed. Can the, can the fanboys finally admit that this guy is just – he's done. They can't yeah. they can't make use of what they have with all these weapons uh, when he can't move the ball downfield. It's yeah, I, I don't know how they keep pace with Patrick Mahomes. And, and I think we've seen over the past several weeks, this Bucks defense is exploitable. They mm-hmm. they've given up a lot of yards over the past several weeks, and now they face the best quarterback they've seen all year. I yeah I mean if you can get three I, I think Chiefs would be my favorite play of the week if you can get three I think this this could be a route I think there's so much better than this Bucks team well there was kind of the the blueprint as to how to attack this Bucks defense was just shown last week don't let the pressure get there don't let yeah. the don't let them continue to blitz with those exotic blitz schemes and get home all the time and listen Patrick Mahomes is going to take advantage of that they have that in the playbook we've talked about this with this Chiefs offense time and time again is that they are able to attack you in any way they choose, really. I mean, if they if they need to, if you're exploitable way down the field, they've got bombers. If they need to go over the middle, they've got they've got Kelsey. If they need to throw the backs of the backfield, they've got that as well. They they can really hit you in every single different facet. So I'm not worried about the blitz getting home. I mean, it'll get home a time or two, but like I'm not worried about it affecting Mahomes and the and the success of this offense. Uh, really moving forward, uh, Brad. I know we've really front loaded this, like in the Chiefs here. So if you're on the if you're on the Bucks, I'm I'm definitely interested uh, to hear the the take there. I am entirely in agreement with you guys. Um, <laughs> when I sat down to look at this game, the thought was to be on the Bucks, obviously because they lost that primetime game because the Chiefs just won there. So you know your your inclination is to <laughs> take the extra half point, which you know which which we got that wasn't there last week, but. Going into the matchups, as you said, I just think there's a, a huge mismatch. And I think with Brady, a lot of it's just bad scheming. Like they're they're just they're just dropping him back with no play action. His running backs can't catch passes. So he's just forced to chuck it outside the numbers to these receivers. And he's he's a 43-year-old quarterback, and these are just tough throws to make. There's no there's no helping in the scheme. In New England, you know, mm. they'd run screens, they'd run play action, they'd run like little little digs and rubs to get people open. But it's just, you're going to drop back, you're going to have a seven-step drop and you're going to chuck it 20 yards downfield to Mike Evans. And it's it's just not mm. being efficient at all. Um, they are 29th in the NFL in early down success rate, non-garbage time, behind the Jets, behind Jacksonville and ahead of Denver. So, that you know, that's, that's terrible. Obviously, the, the Chiefs are up there in mm. the third in that metric. Um, so 
I think I think they're not going to have the offensive success that we we might just think in our heads. And then when the Chiefs have got the ball, you spoke about the blitz. We know that's how they like to play. Well, Mahomes is just the best quarterback in the NFL, according to Sport Radar metrics, against the blitz. Um, if you think back to the game against the Ravens, you know we, we I think we backed the Chiefs in that game because we said mm-hmm. they're they're going to blitz you and they're going to try and cover you man to man. You can't cover Kelsey man to man. You can't cover Tyreek man to man. So. Yeah. Though, unless the Bucks just change the way they play defense, which again, if they do that, they'll be, they'll be playing left-handed. Then either way, they're going to get toasted by Mahomes. So um, yeah. yeah, I love it. I love the minus three. Yeah, and you look at this uh, this Chiefs defense. They actually defend the pass like much, much, much better than they defend the run. And the Bucks have no run game whatsoever. So it's like you know. I, I don't know. I, I, they could show me something. I could be mistaken. I think this is could be my biggest play of the week, actually. And it, it looks like this thing's heading to a flat three. And so just get there. Hey, keep betting the bucks out there, people. I need this. <laughs> I, 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 I need I need that hook to be gone and give me the flat three on this thing. Uh, here's another one. I don't have any play on. No real take on this. We don't know who's. It looks like it's going to be Trubisky at quarterback. Uh, the Bears and the and the Packers. Um, it's sitting at eight and a half or nine, depending on where. You look at it right now, they don't even have a total up at at, um, at FanDuel because they don't know who's going to be playing quarterback. It's 44 and a half at DraftKings. Um, yeah, so Brett, I'll uh, I'll start with you. Um, actually, Brad, I'll start with you on this one. If you have any if you have any take on the Packers and the Bears, um, I do not. I also do not, I'm afraid. Um, I can tell you that the raw number I made on the game was seven and a half. So maybe a little bit of a little bit of value on the Bears, but uh, yeah, just nothing for me really. Brett, I mean, the only thing we really know here is, I mean, the Packers have Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, and that's an awesome combination. The Bears have a good defense that, that have been limiting teams to just going, you know, to blowing this Bears team out because they can't score. Uh, outside of that, again, I, it, Trubisky, it looks like it's going to be Trubisky, but they haven't named it yet. Um, it, what does that do for the Bears? Nothing for me one way or the other. So uh, I don't know. Maybe the Packers in a teaser leg, if you're a teaser player and getting them down to two and a half and you're getting them under a field goal here um, in a game where they might struggle against this Bears defense. But uh, outside of that, just 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 nothing really for me. I actually love the Bears in this oh, spot. Oh, you like, would. You would. Well, look, I was definitely – yeah, I mean, look, I was definitely wrong about Foles and Trubisky earlier this season. They are they're very different quarterbacks, yes, but when speaking to the impact of a betting line, there is not a whole lot of difference between these two. So if Trubisky is under center, I love the plus nine here. He's playing for his job now. I mean, or for, he's playing for a job in the league now. Uh, he's, he's no choice but to be prepared for this spot, go out and play good football. And he gets a very, very soft Green Bay secondary to go out and do it. Um, we know this all this Bears offense is bad, but nine points against a division rival with you know, very little travel mm-hmm. next to zero home field advantage with this defense. I think the Bears can keep this close. I, I think nine is just way too much. I capped this at seven with Trubisky. So anything north of seven, I like the Bears. Final game of the week, Seahawks at the Eagles. We have been disappointed by the Eagles. Everyone has been disappointed by the Eagles like week in, week out, week in, week out, over and over and over again. Um, Seahawks uh, coming off of um, coming off a of bye here, so they should be they should be nice and, and, and rested. 49 and a half your total in this one. Um, Brett, look. Everything points to like everything points to Seattle. And honestly, I couldn't even if I wanted to bet the Eagles, even if my handicap said the Eagles, even if my numbers said the Eagles, I would take those numbers and I would light them on fire and I would put them <laughs> and I, I can't I cannot back the Eagles anymore. Like I, I can't do it. I cannot. As long as Carson Wentz is under center for this Eagles team, I cannot back this Eagles team anymore. He might be in the same conversation with a bunch of these quarterbacks that we talk about as the worst quarterbacks in the league right now. Everything is pointing to that. The guy is seeing ghosts out there, and uh, it's just it's impossible for me to, to back this team, which lets me believe, which, which definitely leads me to believe that you are going to take the Eagles and the five points in this thing. Well, it's not just me. A lot of sharp people are betting the Eagles already this week. Uh, glutton for pain, apparently, because we just I just I 
bet the Eagles every single week. I, I, but <laughs> I have to agree that the number here just feels high. And like this, this Seattle defense can't generate any pressure up front. That's how you beat Carson Wentz. If you allow him time, he can actually get the ball downfield. That's where he is at his best is throwing the ball, you know, 20 plus yards downfield. So I think the matchup benefits Wentz and Philly in a game that, actually has huge importance to them now that they're no longer leading the division. Uh, Seattle's had a long time to prep for this game, which I don't love if I'm backing Philly, but I just, I like the way this sets up for the Eagles who, I mean, who's looked worse than then Philly over the past several weeks. I, I just think this is, I can't, I feel like I've been saying this for a while. Like this is the spot and this is the spot, but I actually do think this is a pretty good spot <laughs> to back the Eagles at home against a really bad defense that can generate pressure. We're going to, we're going to be sitting here doing this pod next week when we review this. <laughs> it's going to be and the, the same Seah- thing. And the Seahawks win by 20. I know. And then the Seahawks just- win by 20 and we're going to go. Well, it seems like it's a spot for the Eagles yet again this week or whatever. But uh, anyway, Brad, uh, again, I know I, I try not to be this guy. It's just uh, I have no confidence at all in this Eagles team. It's just I can't even if the if it got to seven, which it won't. If it got to <laughs> seven, maybe you could like talk me into it a full touchdown. But I don't know. Just at, at five, it just I. It would not surprise me at all, like I just said, if the Seahawks win this game by 20-plus points. It, would, it just would not surprise me. Yeah, I'm, I made the game over 7, about 7.25. Wow. Just, so, like, the, the yeah. chasm in quarterback play here is, is vast. Like, Russell Wilson's PFS fourth-graded quarterback, Carson Wentz, is down at 38. Um, so, you know, like if, yeah. if we strip out the rest of the teams, I mean, I'm not even saying the Eagles are better anywhere else, but you know, that's, that's just a huge difference. Um, and then you, you know, talking about pressure, I would say when's, when's this year has been bad, even without pressure. So this Seth Walder shared this stat from ESPN. Um, so on plays where zero defenders beat their beat their block within two and a half seconds. So essentially, you know, no no quick pass rush wins. Carson Wentz has a QBR of 44, uh, dead last in the NFL. So, you know, even if you don't get to him, he's doing absolutely nothing. Um, and then the Seahawks, they should be getting a couple of their corners a bit healthier. Their center, Ethan Posich, looks like he's going to be back as well. There were a couple of big players they were missing last week. So they look to be getting healthier. And then... If we just think about the way the Eagles like play man-to-man, they like to put Darius Slate on the top receiver. So they'll probably put him on DK Metcalf. But then that leaves Avante Maddox on Tyler Lockett. Uh, and that's a, that's another mismatch in favor of the Seahawks. So, oh, and then the final thing I thought was obviously the, the body clock stuff here with the, the primetime game um, favoring the West Coast team. Um, we know a lot when Russell Wilson's record in uh, primetime games is, is very good. Uh, against the spread as well. So I just thought a lot of things fell down on the Seahawks side. And uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like to back the good quarterback, not the terrible one. Yeah. Wentz, multiple interceptions in six of the 10 starts this year. Multiple picks in six of 10 starts this year for Carson Wentz. Just, you ain't getting me on the Eagles, baby. Keep dangling that carrot. I'm not, I'm not taking it. I'm not taking it anymore. You're not. It's only you know, uphill I'm from here. Happening. Yeah, it's not happening. I'm not, I'm not doing it anymore. It's like it's, it's just not happening, guys. Uh, as always, all the written breakdowns over at the lines at Play Picks. So be sure and head over there. And if you want the written breakdowns of those things, and as we talk about all the time, you've heard us talking about different lines, different totals, different spreads on different juices. So that's why you got to have multiple accounts. Be sure and have at least three if you live in one of these jurisdictions where you can. So head over to the lines, get the very best sign up offers there that you can get. So just uh, click on your state. Free money deals, match bet deals, b- deposit bonus deals, all the stuff like that. So if the sportsbooks are going to give you some free cash, be sure and take advantage of that as well. If you want to follow Brett at Brett Colson, you want to follow Brad at Brad Allen NFL, you want to follow me at Matt Brown M2. For Brett, for Brad, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week. <laughs> 